Central America offers a great genetic variety of cacao beans. However, many growers lack the knowledge to take advantage of the opportunities this offers. As part of CBI's Connecting Central America project, we help cacao growers identify the genetic groups they cultivate. We coach them on how to take better care of their crops and train them to understand the different flavor profiles they can get from their beans. Variety is Central America's strength. Many chocolate lovers may think they have the Mayans and Aztecs to thank for this delicious treat. Vianney de Abrego, a biologist at the University of El Salvador, has studied the genetics of cacao beans for over a decade. She explains that many researchers also thought this until recently, when they discovered that cacao originated much further south and slowly made its way up the continent. Thanks to genome mapping, we have been able to establish that of the 10 genetic cacao groups we know today, 9 are from the Amazon basin, Vianney says. Two of those main groups made their way up to Central America, one was Criollo, and the other was Amelinado. Over time, hybrids emerged, resulting in what we now call modern Criollos, Criollos or ancestral Criollos, natural hybrids and hybrid products of plant breeding programs. You can now find these varieties across Central America. She adds, each group has its own qualities, resulting in unique flavors. Jornberger, CBI's cacao and chocolate consultant in Central America, explains the commercial value of this variety. Asking which is the best cacao in the world is like asking which is the best wine, he says. Experts have been debating it for decades, and everyone has their own favorite. It is the same with chocolate. We all enjoy different kinds of chocolate, so offering a variety of flavor profiles is one of Central America's strengths. It allows each buyer and processor to find their preference for the market they sell their product to. Growing cacao on the side of a volcano One farm carrying on El Salvador's ancient cacao tradition is Transition. Owner Jose Eduardo Socapa explains that they work with ancestral cacao beans from El Salvador passed down through generations. Another reason why our cacao beans are special is because they are part of a genetic group known as Trinitario hybrid, he says. Our plantation is 1,100 meters above sea level, on the side of a volcano. Cacao normally only grows up to 800 meters above sea level. The higher altitude enhances the flavor of our beans. The resulting notes are fruity, floral, and nutty. There is also a bit of spiciness in there. This special combination of flavors has already won us awards at the prestigious Salon du Chocolat in Paris. In 2017, we were among the top 50 cacaos and the top 18 chocolates in the world. In 2018, Transition joined CBI's Connecting Central America project. Jose Eduardo explains how CBI is helping him and other producers prepare for new markets. CBI helped us understand the quality and possibilities of our beans, he says. Understanding the types you are growing means you can optimize the fermentation process and get the best flavors. They helped us prepare samples and took them to various European chocolate makers. Our beans were very well received. 
We already sell our brand JEZ chocolate here in El Salvador, and we have sold beans to France, Italy, and Belgium. The international demand for Central American cacao is high. We hope to increase our production in the coming years to meet that demand. We encourage farmers to protect what they have inherited. Yorn explains that farmers are often under pressure to underprice their products or replace the traditional tree crops with more common types of cacao. The main goal of our activities is to create sustainable income through sustainable products, he says. All countries in Central America offer excellent genetic cacao varieties. And there is still a lot to discover. We want to encourage farmers to stick to what they have inherited and recognize that it is worth protecting. We also show them that high quality does not mean producing less and that many can access specialty markets with their products. Cacao farming can have a very positive socioeconomic and environmental impact, so valuing the product and working with the right buyers can make a huge difference for communities. Peter Boone, the CEO of Barry Colbo, says it doesn't feel right to exit the Russian market. He is wrong, and the result will be to give more ammunition to their critics and add them to a widely published list, shaming companies that are failing the moral imperative. The Yale School of Management maintains a list of over 600 companies with business in Russia and has grouped them by their responses, with the final group being, digging in, for those who are ignoring the issues. Barry Colbo is one step up from that group, in the buying time section, which is for businesses that continue to operate but aren't making new investments. In this article, I'm going to argue why, as Russia threatens the use of tactical nuclear weapons and cuts gas to Poland and Bulgaria, the company should get off the fence and plan an exit, even if that exit is executed in stages. Don't accuse me of being an ideologue, I recognize practical solutions are the best. Take for example, the tobacco company Philip Morris. Would you be surprised to hear that in 2021, they lobbied the UK government to regulate them to death? That's right, a tobacco company has asked for a government to ramp up regulation until they can no longer survive. Put another way, the CEO, Jacek Olczak, told reporters they want to unsmoke the world. In recognizing the damage they were doing, they determined to transition to a health and wellness company. The important word here is transition. I watched an interview on Bloomberg where Alchak was asked the question, why do you continue to sell cigarettes when you know it's killing people? Shutting the company down overnight would destroy its shareholders, Alchak said, which would include pension funds that people rely on to live in their retirement. So, there needs to be a transition plan. Whether you believe them or not, the actions they have already taken to taper the sale of their product to a final point is evidence of their conviction. They have put themselves on a moral path. So, what is Barry Kolbaugh's moral path, and why do I think they're not doing enough? Exiting the Russia market. The decisions might seem easy for an observer, but it's not as simple for company directors. Let's consider some different sides to the argument. Reasons to leave. 1. Supporting the economy is supporting a regime that started a war on a peaceful nation. 2. The message it sends to your customers. 3. The message it sends the Russian government.
4. Avoid potential sanction infringements. 5. Because you have principles. Reasons to stay. 1. Money. Potential loss of revenue, loss of investments. 2. Leaving means laying off local workers. 3. Letting down their Russian customers. To justify their board's decision to stay in the country, Mr. Boone cited reasons 2 and 3 of the list. He said, the war in Ukraine by Russia was started by the Russian government, not by the Russian people. This is true, some businesses that have come to rely on Barry Kolbaugh's products will have to find alternatives. In the worst-case scenario, their business might suffer. But I wouldn't count on it, the Russian people, whom I admire, are among the most stubborn and strong in the world. My friend, Igor, runs a chain of car dealerships in Russia. The day the war broke out, we were texting each other at 4 a.m. He was very dark and pessimistic. It's all over, he wrote on WhatsApp. A few weeks later, I reached out to him again, expecting to hear the worst. But he had transformed the business by taking back the old cars he had recently sold people, who were now worried about the economy, which he bought at a discount and was reselling to others who were more optimistic and looking for a bargain. I think the Russian people will be fine without Barry Kolbo. Employees might lose their jobs. Is Barry Kolbo offering them jobs for life? If there was a drop in profitability, I doubt the company would hesitate to make redundancies. So if these two reasons to stay, don't hold up, that leaves money, or to be fair, money, and reputation among their customers, for whom they want to stand as a reliable business partner. Mr. Boone's comments give an insight into what they value most. This is what he said. This is a distinction we have kept in mind in taking these difficult decisions. Furthermore, we are a company that will support its customers. He continued. You know, customer focus is one of our values. Our customers bring daily food to consumers in all kinds of shapes and forms. It was called essential during the pandemic for a reason, and is regarded as part of the daily diet of many. Pulling away from our customers, and leaving them without a possibility to bring their products to consumers, who have not asked for this war, does not feel right to us. The first reason on his list is customer support, which indicates they believe it would be more damaging to their reputation to abandon their customers in Russia, than the backlash by staying in the country. Secondly, Mr. Boone makes a slightly bizarre reference to chocolate being an essential part of the daily diet. I'm guessing the board has led a comfortable and privileged life to believe that a luxury item outweighs the principles involved. Let's not sugarcoat this. Ukrainians have been forced to flee for their lives, abandoning loved ones and seeing their livelihoods and their lives destroyed. The Ukrainians did not ask for the war either, so a choice has to be made. I do appreciate it's an uncomfortable one, but in my opinion they got this wrong. Switzerland, Barry Kolbaugh's home, one of the oldest democracies in Europe, has championed human rights not just at home but on the international stage. Here are some excerpts from the relevant Wikipedia page. The United Nations Human Rights Council, HRC, was an initiative put forward by Switzerland in 2006. Switzerland has continued to be an active member in all HRC promotion and enforcement internationally.
In this most recent application to the United Nations, Switzerland deemed the protection of human rights on an international level to be one of three main voluntary pledges. Meanwhile, back at HQ, business is booming. Barry Colbo announced an operating profit of 331 million Swiss francs, $351 million, for the six months ended February 28, which was up 12% from 297 million Swiss francs at the same time of the previous year. Sales revenue rose 16% to 4.03 billion Swiss francs, $4.28 billion, from $3.48 billion. However, Mr. Boone voiced concern that the Russia-Ukraine war disturbed supply chains. In the first couple of weeks, we saw a lot of problems getting the transport, he said. At this moment, that pressure is a little bit less. So at this moment, we can still support our local-for-local local business and keep our three factories running. By continuing operations, while freezing new investments, the company is trying to walk a path that keeps everyone happy. Another way to put it is that they evaluate the impact of their inaction and hope there's no backlash. Additionally, the CapEx freeze allows them to claim they're doing something, although we don't know if they planned new investments anyway. There are times for risk calculations and a time just to do the right thing. If you don't stand for something, you stand for nothing. If Barry Colbo fails to follow the moral imperative now, they will lose the ability to claim moral leadership for years to come. I wonder if that cost was factored into their calculation. Heavy rain brings hope for cocoa mid-crop in Côte d'Ivoire. Cocoa farmers in Côte d'Ivoire have faced several challenges recently, including the catastrophic growing conditions that are predicted to significantly reduce the amount of cocoa the country can produce this season. April marks the start of the cocoa mid-crop, where conditions are wet and rainfall is expected in abundance. This year, however, the West African cocoa producers have been faced with a particularly dry start to the season, raising concerns that the mid-crop will suffer. However, with many local farmers, Reuters now reports that rainfall in the region has drastically increased over the past week, bringing new hope for the mid-crop. In the central region of Bongwenu, for example, 50 mm of rain fell last week, a significant increase from the five-year average of 26.6 mm. Ngetia Francois, a farmer in that region, said, if the rain continues, there will be a lot of cocoa, and quality will improve. Rainfall is reportedly also at above-average levels in the regions of Deloa and Yumasukro. While it is still early to say, if the increased precipitation continues, many farmers believe that it will result in an improvement in the quality of small and average-sized cocoa pods that are due to be harvested over the next three months. Some farmers from Subra in the West have said that they would begin harvesting as early as next week since they were seeing many pods ripening on trees already. Subra also experienced wetter conditions, with 31.2 mm of rain last week, 9.2 mm above the five-year average. From next week, there will be a lot of picking in the bush, Bale Kodia, a farmer near Subra, stated. This was echoed by farmers in Egberville and Devo in the south, as well as Abenguru in the east, where above-average rainfall was also recorded. 
The general consensus among farmers is that this year's mid-crop could be better than last year's from August through to September, if the heavy rain continues. Cocobot to return rehabilitated farms to beneficiaries in Ghana. According to the Ghana Cocoa Boards, Cocobod, Chief Executive, Joseph Bowahen Edu, Cocobod will soon start returning newly rehabilitated cocoa farms to their owners. This news follows the claimed success of the National Cocoa Rehabilitation Program, NCRP, which aims to cure cocoa farms of cocoa swollen shoot viral disease, CSSVD, and introduce several measures to protect and improve the farms for future generations. The NCRP was conceived by Cocobod and officially launched by President Nana Edo Dankwa Akufuado in 2020 as an emergency response to the devastating spread of CSSVD. The decision to begin returning the newly rehabilitated farms to their beneficiaries comes after a two-day inspection conducted across farms and cocoa communities in the Western North region by Mr. Edu. The announcement was made after touring a 145.8-hectare rehabilitated cocoa farm at Kumikram in the Bekwe district. On his tour, Mr. Edu said it was time for the early beneficiaries of the rehabilitation program to reclaim care of their farms, but cautioned them to strictly adhere to good agroforestry and agronomic practices. Adopting these better ways to manage the farms will ensure that they operate at optimum capacity and are not detrimental to the environment. Beyond replacing CSSVD disease crops with healthy ones, the program also introduced higher-yielding cocoa varieties that were more disease-tolerant and early-bearing. Plantains and grains were also planted to help shade the growing cocoa trees, as well as ensure better food security for the farming families. During the two-year-long process, the tenant farmers and landowners involved were paid 1,000 Ghanaian sedis per hectare as compensation. Cocobod also handled the costs of activities and labor on the farms over the period of rehabilitation. Ghana's Cocoa Board introduced the drastic measures in response to the catastrophic damage caused by CSSVD across the Western North region. One survey from 2017 found that nationally, 315,886 out of 1.9 million hectares of the cocoa farm had been lost to the swollen shoot virus, leading Cocobot to intervene with the NCRP. The results have been largely well received by agriculture experts, and some are now urging the government to scale the initiative to the rest of Ghana's cocoa-producing regions. The news is indeed promising and has many farmers excited to reclaim the management of their cocoa farms. The ongoing upkeep of the farms and continuation of optimal farming practices are key to the program's overall success beyond stopping the spread of CSSVD. It is, therefore, crucial that the farmers return to working on their land with the necessary knowledge and training required to maintain the condition of the farm. ICCO announces cancellation of 2022 World Cocoa Conference. The International Cocoa Organization, ICCO, announced that they would cancel the 2022 World Cocoa Conference due to ongoing uncertainties surrounding COVID restrictions. The event, which usually takes place every two years, hasn't been able to return successfully since 2018, with last year's planned event in Bali, Indonesia, being pushed back a year due to the pandemic. The ICCO commented, The International Cocoa Organization is currently monitoring reports from the World Health Organization, who, 
Daily on the World Cocoa Conference website. We must put the health and safety of our attendees and staff above all else. The last event in 2018 was held in Berlin and hosted over 1,200 attendees from 60 plus countries. The conference brought together people from across the entire value chain, including chocolate manufacturers, cocoa processors, trading companies, service providers, and government agencies. To keep in line with the biennial cycle, the ICCO has confirmed that the next event will take place in 2024 in Brussels, Belgium. The four-day conference gathers significant industry players to discuss current issues in producing, trading, processing and marketing cocoa and related products. The WCC was first launched in 2012 in the home of the ICCO, Abidjan, Côte d'Ivoire, to discuss and agree upon measures to address the challenges facing the cocoa sector. Though the WCC has been delayed until 2024, the ICCO is still set to host the International Symposium on Cocoa Research, later this year from the 5th to the 7th of December. The symposium, which itself was postponed from September 2021 due to COVID, will be held in Montpellier, France, and will be an opportunity for those invested in the future of cocoa, to gather and discuss topics surrounding the ethical and sustainable production of the commodity.